It's July 28th. You're listening to the President's Daily Brief. I'm your host and former CIA officer, Brian Dean Wright. Your morning intel starts now. We've got a big five update this morning. Five issues that we have covered in previous podcasts, but with some important updates. First, we'll be talking about Joe Biden's phone call today with China. Also today, numbers and a debate over whether we have entered a recession. Third, America's ranchers are getting hit hard. We'll discuss what's happening and a request for how you might help. Fourth, the Border Patrol is reporting how many illegals have slipped past them. It's a big number, folks. And finally, a connection between the common cold and COVID-19. It might explain why some people get mild symptoms or none at all. Plus, your listener question of the day, Jenna in Alliance, Nebraska. She said that my family history sounded like a TV show, 1883 to be specific, and wanted to know more. Happy to share. But let's get started with the first of today's Big Five updates. Joe Biden is picking up the phone this morning to call China's President Xi. The White House confirmed yesterday that he will probably talk about Taiwan and tensions in the South China Sea, and that's it. When asked for more specifics, the National Security Council spokesman John Kirby said that Biden's call would be, well, mostly about, quote, relationship tending, end quote. I have no idea what that means, by the way. Reporters did ask specifically if Biden might discuss fentanyl. That, of course, is the horrific drug that has killed over 100,000 Americans just in the past year, and it gets its deadly start in Chinese chemical factories. Now, the White House wouldn't say if Biden would be talking fentanyl with the Chinese. You can decide if that is good leadership. Meanwhile, we got the same kind of response on whether Biden would demand answers or compensation for the COVID-19 pandemic, which, of course, at least one agency within the U.S. intelligence community is saying that China actually started that in a bioweapons laboratory in Wuhan. The cost for that pandemic, just by the way, in case anybody wants to know, is at least $16 trillion. That's according to an analysis that was done by Harvard University's economists a while back. And finally, the White House refused to say if they would discuss China's industrial espionage. You all know from previous briefs that China hacks and steals our trade secrets, and that costs us upwards of $600 billion a year. So the point of all of this is to say that there are lots of things that Joe Biden could discuss and should discuss. Now, you should probably pay close attention to what comes up and what doesn't, because it'll tell you what's on Biden's radar and what has slipped off. And if you get busy, don't worry. I will be watching this closely and I will keep you posted. Second big update this morning, the economy. The U.S. Commerce Department is releasing figures today on what's called the Gross Domestic Product, or GDP. That number basically measures the value of goods and services that are produced in a period of time, in this case, the last three months. Now, this number is important because it broadly tells us whether or not the economy is in the toilet or it's doing great. So the last time that we got this number, about three months ago, it showed that the economy was not doing well at all, declined. And so if this morning we get another GDP number that declines, well, that means that we are in a recession. Or does it? That is the game that's being played. Let me explain. 
You see, recessions have generally been defined as two consecutive quarters of declining GDP numbers, which basically means six months of data saying, nope, your economy's going down. So if we get that second batch of bad numbers today, and you combine that with the first set that we got three months ago, well, that should mean recession. But the Biden administration is trying to change that definition. They want to use something different. It's an assessment done by the nonpartisan group called the National Bureau of Economic Research. Now, that group doesn't just look at the GDP numbers, but some other data as well. So what are we to believe? The historical definition of recession or the Biden definition? So to answer that question, you might want to ask why Biden's team is doing this switcheroo in the first place. Well, here's a hint. During the Great Recession of 2007 to 2009, that National Bureau of Economic Research, they took about a year to determine whether or not we were officially in a recession. And that is pretty typical for this group. They usually take a long time to officially declare a recession because of how and when they look at the data. And that's why this National Bureau has never been used as a real-time assessor of recessions. That's why, historically, we have always used the GDP numbers. So why would Joe Biden want to use the National Bureau and its delayed numbers if everything is so slow? Well, a cynic might point out that there is an election in about three months. Democrats are not expected to do well, with polls showing voters very angry about the economy. So maybe, just maybe, it would be politically helpful to delay labeling this moment in history a recession. As always, I'll let you decide, but it is curious, isn't it? And that takes us to the third big update, inflation and food prices. Now, normally when we talk about this, we talk about what you pay at the grocery store. But this morning, we're going to talk about the source of those groceries. We're going to talk about ranchers. Now, what you might not know is that things are not going well for a whole bunch of ranchers in this country. In places like Texas and Oklahoma, pasture and rangeland for cattle is now considered poor or very poor quality by the Department of Agriculture. And that's because of triple-digit summer heat and drought. So in turn, that's forced many of these ranchers to use supplemental feed, mostly hay, but also corn too. Well, the price of corn is at its highest in a decade, while the prices for hay were about 55% higher in April compared to the same period last year. Now, it is true that the price that ranchers get for their cattle has climbed about 15% from a year ago. But that's not enough for a lot of ranchers when you add up big feed bills for hay and corn, plus sky-high diesel expenses and big labor. That's led a lot of ranchers to sell off big chunks of their herds. In fact, America has the smallest herd of cattle since 2016, down for the third consecutive year. So those low numbers will probably mean lower calf numbers for the next two or three years, which in turn could affect the price that you pay for beef. Now, I know that some of you all are ranchers listening this morning. Some of you have big ranches, others small cow-calf operations. So, for instance, Leanne and your husband, plus your two kiddos out in northwestern Colorado, also in Colorado, Zila. And then, Frank, Mary, you all are in Texas. Just a few folks who have emailed me in the past couple of months. So, what I'd like to do is figure out a way for everybody listening to help. 
And here's what I'm thinking. I know that there are direct-to-consumer ranchers out there who sell their beef right to folks listening to programs like mine. So I need you all, ranchers or not, to email me with the ones that you like and that you use. And my crew and I will reach out to them and see if we can't do our part. So the email address, as always, is pdb at thefirsttv.com. Again, email me with the website or the name of the direct-to-consumer beef company that you like or use. And you send that to pdb, in other words, President's Daily Brief, right? So pdb at thefirsttv.com. I'm going to keep you posted on this one because it's really important to me. All right, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, two more updates, one on the southern border and one on COVID-19. Plus, a question from Jenna in Alliance, Nebraska, asking about my pioneer family. I'm very, very happy to share. We'll be right back. Hey, Mike Baker here. Well, we made it through winter. Look at that. And spring, well, it's in full bloom, which, of course, means summer is just around the corner. You see how I figured that out? And that means more time spent outdoors, not to mention you got to get into summer shape, huh? Factor can help you spend less time in the kitchen and make sure you're eating well and meeting your wellness goals. Factor's no prep, no mess meals save time and help with getting and keeping you in great shape for summer, thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. Seriously, it's going to be beach time soon. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. And you keep kitchen time to a minimum. Factor meals are ready in two minutes. No shopping, no prepping, no cooking or cleaning up. Factor is part of our meal routine at the Baker Compound. And I can tell you, food is delicious and it's a complete time saver. Head to factormeals.com slash pdb50, that's five zero, and use code pdb50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code pdb50 at factormeals.com slash pdb50. You get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Hey, Mike Baker here. Well, spring is in full swing, and for millions of folks... That means yard work and gardening, am I right? Now, here's a pro tip for those of you looking to spruce up your landscaping. Fast Growing Trees is the largest online nursery in the U.S. They've got over 10,000 plant varieties and millions of satisfied customers. Save yourself the time and trouble of multiple trips to those crowded nurseries. You know what I'm talking about. Fast Growing Trees is a complete time saver. From fruit trees to houseplants, they have it all, and it's delivered right to your doorstep. Plus, their plant experts are always available for advice. They can tell you what grows best in your area, how to plant, when to plant. It's like having your own expert gardener. And here's the best part. This spring, they have up to half off on select plants. And listeners to the President's Daily Brief can get an extra 15% off by using promo code PDB at checkout. So go to FastGrowingTrees.com and use promo code PDB at checkout. All right, folks, let's get back to the Big Five update. Two more briefs for you. First, an update on our southern border. In previous briefs, I've shared with you the numbers of border encounters and apprehensions. May was 239,000 illegals. June, another 200,000. 
So a bit of a drop there from May to June, but there was actually an increase in the number of children traveling by themselves, which no matter what side of the aisle you're on is awful. Anyway, overall, we are looking at over 1.7 million encounters and apprehensions in this fiscal year, and that's the most since 1960. Well, as bad as all of that is, I've got a new number for you, 500,000. That is the number of gotaways that have entered America so far this fiscal year. Now, gotaways, as the name suggests, are those illegals that sneak through and evade capture. So we've got 500,000 of those this fiscal year with no idea where any of them are at this point. Meanwhile, last fiscal year, there were about 400,000 gotaways in total. So that takes us to about a million people, uninvited, unvetted, who are now in this country over just the past two years. So to give you a sense of how many people that is, we're talking about the size of Dallas, Texas. Meanwhile, Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas was asked last week about how he would describe America's southern border. And he said, quote, look, the border is secure, end quote. I will let you decide if he and the Biden administration are telling you the truth on that one or whether they define secure in the same way that you do. Finally, this morning, an update on COVID-19. And this one has a lot of good news in it, which is a pretty good way to wrap up the Big Five update. But first, let me give you some quick viral background. You all might know that COVID-19 is a coronavirus, but what you might not know is that the common cold is also a coronavirus. Not exactly the same thing, of course, but they're in the same viral family, viral sort of cousins, if you will, very similar viral structures. Now, when we're kids, we tend to get the common cold over and over again, and that actually helps us build a strong immune system. It's kind of like as we go to school, our immune system does too. It learns how to recognize viruses and bacterias and how to respond. Well, years later as adults, our immune systems remember those previous infections, and we tend to have far fewer colds than when we were younger. In fact, adults tend to get sick with the cold on average only once about every eight years. Again, that's all because of that exposure we had when we were kids. So all of that got some very smart people thinking, specifically doctors and researchers at the La Jolla Institute for Immunology, which is an outfit in California that researches immunology and immune system disease. Well, they were wondering whether some of that immunity from the common cold, you know, the stuff that we get from when we were kids, could actually help us fight COVID-19 because they're viral cousins. And perhaps that could help explain why some people have never gotten COVID or just had mild symptoms. Anyway, those were the theories, and that is what they tested. So they opened up their freezers and they pulled out some blood samples they had of young adults who had never been exposed to COVID-19, but had been exposed many times to the common cold. And then they exposed that blood to COVID-19 to see what would happen. Well, some good news. That blood, or more specifically, the antibodies and other immune fighter cells in that blood, well, they all recognized the parts of the COVID-19 virus that it shared with the common cold. And they all fought back. So the medical term here is cross-reactivity. So what this means, practically speaking, 
is that as more infections happen, more immunity builds, especially in kids when their immune systems are in school. Now that means that when these reinfections eventually happen, they should become less frequent, just like the common cold. And COVID-19 symptoms should be much less severe. So that's great news for kids, but also some good news for adults too. This research actually builds on other research that says that even though our immune systems can't go back to school and learn as rigorously as, as kids, as it were, well, we still do all right. And that's because our older immune systems still recognize the similarities between the common cold and COVID-19. We're just a little bit rustier at responding, especially if we are obese. So do your immune system a favor. Eat right, get that exercise in, and maybe take some vitamin D if your doctor says to. Because this study highlights the good news offered by Mother Nature. Our immune systems can fight back if we keep otherwise healthy. Up next, one more thing before I let you go. Jenna in Alliance, Nebraska, asking about my family and the TV show 1883. I've got some details, but first, a quick break. You've heard it said, and it's true. Time is our most precious commodity. And the question is, how can you spend it wisely to improve yourself and the people around you? Well, I'm glad you asked. Let me tell you about a great way to continue the lifelong process of learning, and that's Hillsdale College. Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subjects. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. Correct, I did say free. As an example, sign up for Constitution 101, the meaning and history of the U.S. Constitution. Now, in this 12-lecture course, you'll explore the design and purpose of the Constitution, the challenges it faced during the Civil War, and how it's been undermined for more than a century by progressivism and liberalism. The course is self-paced, so you can start whenever and wherever. Enroll now in Constitution 101. Our country needs more Americans who understand the Constitution and can defend the freedom of the American people against the encroachments of an increasingly large and unaccountable government. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash pdb to enroll. There's no cost, and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash pdb to register. Hey, Mike Baker here. Well, once again, Pure Talk is investing in their customers out of their own pocket without charging an extra penny. Now, you've heard me talk about Pure Talk before, right? How they provide excellent coverage and service with industry-beating rates. And now, I'm happy to announce that Pure Talk is also providing international roaming to over 50 countries. That's right. As you plan your summer travel, make sure your wireless provider has you covered at home and abroad. Pure Talk already puts you on America's most dependable 5G network, but now they're giving you coverage in over 50 countries as well. Unlimited talk, text, and plenty of 5G data for just $20 a month. Look, that's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, or T-Mobile. Bring your phone, and Pure Talk's eSIM technology makes switching so simple. Or you can get great savings on the latest iPhones and Androids. Make the switch to the cell phone company that I know will provide you with outstanding service and value, Pure Talk. Just go to puretalk.com slash baker, that's B-A-K-E-R, just like you imagined, to start saving today. And when you do, you'll save an additional 50% off your first month. 
Again, visit puretalk.com slash baker to start saving on wireless at home and abroad. All right, ladies and gentlemen, one more thing before I let you go. Jenna from Alliance, Nebraska wrote in after last Friday's podcast where I first answered some of your questions that you all emailed in. So she said, Dear Brian, I loved all the questions and answers, but you said one part so fast and I want to know more. Your family came to America a long time ago, that I heard, and then I think across the Oregon Trail. That sounds kind of similar to the TV show 1883. I would love to know more. Well, Jenna, I would love to share more, at least for a few more minutes, because the story of my family tells you, well, a lot about me and why I love this country. So let's go back to 1787. There was a constitutional convention in Philadelphia going on that spring, wrestling down the nation that we would become. Now, a little further north in Massachusetts, my fifth great-grandfather Jephthah was born. At some point, he and his mother moved to New Hampshire, and he eventually married and moved to New York, and he farmed. Then, after a couple of years, he went out to Michigan, and he worked as a blacksmith. He moved one more time to Steuben County, Indiana, in 1839. He had 10 kids who lived into adulthood. And when his sons turned 21, he had a tradition. He gave each of them an axe and told them to leave. They hadn't already. Some tough love there. Get out of the nest. Well, anyway, two of his sons were still in Indiana, but they were ready to go. There was Anson. He was 25. And his brother, Albert. He was 27. So those two brothers decided to head west on the Oregon Trail, and they did so in 1852. Now I want to pause here and restate their ages. So Anson was 25 and Albert was 27, leaving on a wagon train into the Wild West. You know, I look around at other 25 and 27-year-olds, and I wonder how many could do that now? Yeah, I don't suspect too many. At any rate, the winter of 1852 was approaching, so Albert and Anson decided to split up once they got to Iowa. So Albert was going to stay behind with his wife and two girls, while Anson could travel faster by himself. He wasn't married. The idea would be he would get to Oregon faster and he could settle their land first. So that's exactly what they did. Anson got to Oregon safely, quite a journey. We actually have the diaries, they're really incredible to read. And then Albert followed in the spring of 1853. And on the trail somewhere in the Nebraska Territory, his wife gave birth to a son named Silas. Again, to pause here, that poor woman gave birth in a wagon all by herself. Bless her. Well, praise God, Albert and Anson both made it to Oregon. And they raised sheep for about six years. And then quite suddenly, Anson died. We're not really sure how, but... Sadly, he never married, no children, and he died at the age of 31. Albert and his family carried on for a bit, and then they decided to leave that farm. They went east this time, over the Cascade Mountains and into eastern Oregon. They built a tiny cabin and wintered there in 1871. And then they started over. Albert and his sons built a new home. The government actually used it as a post office and a stage stop. They had a schoolhouse that doubled as a church and a community center. We have old diaries of lots of dancing and music. French harps and accordions were all the rage back then. Must have been quite a time. At any rate, one of Albert's boys, Anson, he was an absolute legend. 
For a time, he actually lived with some of the native people, and he spoke at least three of their dialects. And it actually saved the family at one point, his relationships that he had with the Indians. There was a local chief, and he discreetly warned Anson that there was an Indian raid coming up against white settlers. So the family took protection, it saved the ranch. And without that friendship, I would not be here. So I have a thousand more old stories like this, like, uh, well, one of my favorites. A cousin about a hundred years ago or so decided to take the wool crop to market. But instead of coming home with the cash, he spent it all on booze and gambling and <clears throat> ladies of the night. Anyway, he came home and the family was completely distraught, nearly broke them. At any rate, I am so happy to share all of this because wherever you are in America this morning, I guarantee that you or your neighbors have stories like this. Incredible men and women who overcame all sorts of adversity, braved every challenge imaginable. And together, we built something pretty magnificent. We built a nation. And if I may, we built the most incredible nation that this planet has ever seen. Because we have a constitution that tells us that our rights to life and liberty and the pursuit of happiness, they're not just given to us by our government, they're ours by birth. And the government, we own it. It does our bidding. That is the genius of America. And that's what makes it so great. But our founders set up a challenge for us, didn't they? Benjamin Franklin was once asked what kind of government they had set up during those days of deliberation in Philadelphia. And he responded, a republic, if you can keep it. That seems harder than ever these days, doesn't it, to keep it? Because there are a lot of people in America who don't want to keep it. They want to destroy it. People like former Governor Andrew Cuomo of New York saying four years ago that we're not going to make America great again because America was never that great. Now, he's not alone. We all know that. We all see that every day on the news. But I'll tell you, when I get down and fearful, I think about men like my great-grandfathers who struck out in the world against the odds and they built farms and ranches. I think about great-grandmothers who gave birth on wagon trains. And I think about Hugh Redmond of Yonkers, New York. And I shared his story with you all on July 4th. If you haven't had the chance to listen to that story, I sure hope you do. Please do so today, in fact, right after this brief is over. But in the meantime, I'll tell you this. Hugh Redmond was a CIA officer who was held in a Chinese prison for at least 19 years. And he refused to admit anything to the communists. Not once did he break over 19 years. Folks, we come from good people. We are fighters. And that's part of why I do this podcast. To give you all the news, the facts, as best I know them. And then inspire you to go out into the world and keep fighting. So on this Thursday morning, July 28th, I hope you go out and do just that. We've got a country to keep, folks. We've got a union to protect. And with that, ladies and gentlemen, I conclude your morning brief. As always, we close out the show reminding each other of why we are here, talking about our country and our world. It's the creed of every good spy and every smart American. 
It's from John chapter 8, verse 32. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Good day. Hi, this is Dr. Joy. In a world that sometimes feels uncertain, where communities can be disconnected, there are beacons of hope in your neighborhood. Introducing Neighbor to Neighbor, a California volunteers network. They believe that the people living all around you are your best bet at creating meaningful social bonds and preparing you for the next big weather event. Whether it's lending a helping hand to a neighbor in need or standing together in times of natural disaster, Neighbor to Neighbor empowers you to grow your community. Visit caneighbors.com to learn how you can help build a more connected community. Neighbor to Neighbor. It takes a neighborhood. What is the No Spin News all about? You know that this is a fact-based analysis news program. You know that. We avoid speculation. We don't do conspiracies here. We don't do party politics here. We're not nonpartisan. That's wrong. Not that. Okay, we are advocates for a stronger America and a more just society. We don't believe in communism. We don't believe in socialism. We don't believe in nihilism. We don't believe in the progressive woke culture. We think it is un-American. We don't support that. So you should know what we are. And it would then crystallize what we do. Listen to the No Spin News. Subscribe to Bill O'Reilly's podcast feed wherever podcasts are available.